Welcome to episode 15 of Super States, Practices of Transformation, with me, your host, Joshua Peters. If you, like me, find yourself fascinated with this idea of using trance states for personal and professional growth, and by trance states, I'm talking about hypnosis or psychedelics, breathwork, sexuality, and more, you're listening to the right show. In each episode, we talk to world-class experts, industry leaders, and revolutionary thinkers. They share the latest information, research, tools, and their own personal stories to inspire us on our own journeys of personal and professional growth. This week, I talk with Marion Spurgeon. Marion is a hypnotic coach who specializes in helping her clients move through massive life changes. It's time to get real. Hypnotic coaching and the power of vulnerability with Marion Spurgeon. Welcome to Super States and I am here with Marion Spurgeon. Marion, I am super excited to have you on the show. I am super excited that you asked me to be here, Joshua. I'm just <laughs> um, Marion uh, Marion and I met, uh, we, actually we've known each other for a while, but we didn't really get to connect until last year when we spent some time together at a, at a conference. Uh, but uh, Meow Wolf, I, we spent some time together at Meow Wolf. At Meow Wolf, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that was qu quite the experience. Yeah. Uh, so Marion, why don't you describe to us what you do and then how that can make an impact on people's lives? I am a hypnotic coach and I help people uh, I help people resolve physical, emotional, spiritual things within their body and their life. Um, and specifically, I do that in a container that's like uh, over a longer period of time. Uh, so you know, working on farther reaching changes, big life changes, like if you are um, changing a job or you're embarking on a new path, uh, I, I provide a, a deep level of support for that sort of thing. Great. And I know that this has been a process for you. Uh, so can you tell us uh, how you got to this point? Like what, like give us your, your journey. Okay. So um, yeah, my journey begins in, um, in college and uh, I, I went to a liberal arts college and I was uh, studying biology and linguistics, which is actually super relevant to hypnosis. It's like, you know, neuro-linguistic programming. Um, and then I, uh, I had a traumatic experience that sent me on the path of healing. At the time, um, I don't know if this was just like my perception, but it seemed to me like at the time we didn't know about trauma resolution as much as we know now. Um, and I was like not getting anywhere with therapy. So I went to the Bay Area and I just kind of like made it my mission to figure out how to find my own healing. And uh, and that path, like it, it was a pretty windy road. Um, I found myself like, uh, well, one of the things that happened during that time was that I got involved with an ayahuasca church and that was like super integral to my healing. I learned so much. Um, I had a little bit of experience with psychedelics before that. 
Um, but that was like the first time that I really had the experience of having a ritual container and a whole set of like um, b- b- belief system around the medicine work. And, uh, and I did that in conjunction with seeing a hypnotist and between those two things, like, and I also did EMDR, that uh, just like, it set me on a path. Mm. Um, and I got so much out of that. That's what I, why I decided to go into hypnosis. Great. And which do you think, oh, so the ayahuasca church that came first? Yes. And, and what did you, what was the biggest piece of, uh, of healing that came from the, from working through the, from going to the ayahuasca church? Oh man. Um, I would say that like it was, uh, family dynamics work that would not have been possible to do just like chipping solo in your bedroom. You know what I mean? Mm, Like when you're in a container with like a fixed group of people, and it's more or less the same people that are coming every t- ceremony. You kind of like develop these little like ways of relating to each other, like and projecting onto each other, and hmm. uh, kind of having a pecking order about who sits where and who does what and stay in your lane, and or like you know I want to feel empowered to do this, and like all of that like in a very open, very vulnerable state. And, um, so yeah, I, I think that that, that was something definitely like, I mean, we, we do reparenting work and stuff in hypnosis, but that was like, kind of like a real life experience of like, right. you know, kind of working out family stuff. Yeah. And I, I can see how you would just naturally kind of put different roles on these different people that you're in, interacting with, especially yeah. Once we you get to know them. Anyway. Like we do that anyway, but like it, it happens hardcore in that space. Yeah, for sure. And then as, as f- when did you do your hypnosis training? Um, 2017 is when I got certified. Now I know that you're, uh, you, you've been through a process with that and, and you're shifting how you interact with clients, really the ty- type of client. So what would you say has fundamentally changed about your work from when you first got your training until now? Yeah, I would say that, that definitely like the way that I frame it is different. Um, I think like when I first started, I had this idea, like a lot of beginning hypnotists do, that there's a certain way to go about solving this problem. And very quickly, I started um, kind of starting from people's body. Like, I don't know what your process is going to be like. I'm going to help you listen to you. And when you approach it that way, you can get so much done. And it is usually in a way that's like um, amenable to your whole being. It's not me imposing what I think is like some sort of prefabricated solution. And um, it's a lot more flexible. Can you give an example of how that might work? Mm, well, like in, in what context? Well, all right. Yes, I can. I can. Okay. So say someone comes in to see me for weight loss, but actually one of the first things that comes up when I ask their body what's wrong, it's an injury. 
And this injury has been lasting for a long time and it hasn't been healing. And when we like dialogue with that injury, we discover that it's there to um, kind of like remind the person of their mortal limits, <laughs> like that they have not been paying attention to their needs. And that injury does not want to go away until the needs are met and that it feels respected. So when we unwind that a little bit more, it goes into like a deeper family history piece and um, and going into that actually like spins out into, it's like a somatic healing, but it's also like a family piece about like um, just relating to a particular family member and et cetera. And all of this does have to do with the weight gain. The weight gain was like kind of a response to all of that. Yeah. But when we're able to like kind of get to that at a very deep level, the weight comes off and there's like all these new tools, skills, and just like feeling awesome uh, being able to handle whatever comes up in life that occurs as a result of that. So it's not just like, oh, eat less food and you'll lose weight. It's like... <laughs> change your life and you'll feel great. <laughs> I, I like that. <laughs> so that sounds like a whole element of like, there's a somatic element to the kind yeah. of work that you do. And where does that come from? It sounds, it sounds like you did your hypnosis training and your psychedelic experience. Where, where did the somatic piece come from? Um, all right. So also like there, we had a little bit of conversation beforehand about this, uh, that like one of my first, the, my, where I first started working when I landed in San Francisco is that I, um, got into escorting. And so I was doing sex work. I was actually like having these, what I would still consider therapeutic interactions with clients, uh, just like holding space for what they needed and um and in a lot of cases like facilitating positive change but it's like kind of funny because um i i think that a lot of the people that i saw like they may never it may never occur to them to see a therapist but they were getting that sort of benefit mm -hmm. from hanging out with me and um and i appreciate you holding the space for me to share that piece of my story today because um it is something that I feel has really like informed and contributed to the way that I hold my work. And, um, and being able to talk about it makes me feel like a whole person that can share their story and that feels good. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, the that piece of us, the the sexual side of us, the that's that's a, a raw piece and and you can have a lot of healing in there when you have somebody like you're saying when you have that something space. safe like i yeah. think a lot of people don't feel safe around sexuality and it hurts them and um and someone being able to kind of like facilitate a safe experience around that without shame and like i honestly do think you know like i mean i'm sure you know as a coach when you have that coaching container it kind of feels like that unconditional positive regard happens automatically. Like that yeah. person can almost do no wrong. I mean, yes, there are boundaries to the session and yes, they can't just do anything, but you hold them in a certain way that you wouldn't hold them if they weren't paying you. And I, sure. that to me, that interaction, it feels so clean. I think it, it actually like, I've found that it even kind of 
had this weird person gave me this weird perspective on dating afterwards not that it messed me up but it just made me realize like that um it's kind of weird that people are paying me like sometimes treat me better than people that aren't (laughs) (laughs) you know um that's kind of the world that we live in but i think like So, yeah, there is something in here that I also, like, have been exploring about just kind of, like, the way that we share space, the way that we share power, the way that we share power with each other when we're sharing space. Yeah. Um, That that is really important. That's something that I think and write about a lot. Yeah, that's uh, it. That piece, that that, that power dynamics and all that stuff is just fascinating. uh, And consent and all of that. That's also, like, super... um, it's relevant to hypnosis and it's also relevant to like ritual psychedelic work too. Yeah. Um, because I mean, I guess this is like one of my concerns, fears or questions about like what's going to happen when everything is legal or if it, you know, if it gets to that point, if it's legal, how are we going to treat it? Because I think that people treat um, so many things, including themselves, like a commodity and rather than seeing people as people, living beings. And I think that we should approach plant medicines with respect as if they are a living being. But I think that if people don't do that, sometimes it has to do with the fact that they haven't learned how to see themselves in that way. You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, That I'm not a commodity, that I'm more than, uh, you know, my list of credentials or how much money I have in the bank or, you know, how people see me in society, that I am a... A being, you know, I am a being that's like worthy to exist in its own right. Yeah. And um, and I guess that like that relationality, that's something that is important to me to kind of like preach the gospel of, of <laughs> yeah, that, that we're all in this together. And also that we live in a living universe, that something doesn't have to be able to speak English or human in order to be able to teach us something. I mean, that's you can learn just from taking a walk out in the forest, right? Yeah, totally. Well, speaking of learning, <laughs> what is your favorite way to to learn new things or, or uh, educate yourself? Ah, I am like obsessively autodidactic. Um, actually, like that's also another piece of all of this is that I was homeschooled. So if I get like interested in something, I will just binge. I will uh-huh. like I will go on YouTube. I will read every book. I will uh, find people to talk to and chat rooms or clubhouse. I mean, it kind of depends on what it is. What would be the best way to learn about it? Um, but experientially, too, I love to have new experiences and use them as a way to compare, uh, compare and contrast. I like to. Um, yeah, I, I like I like experiential learning very much. Yeah, I totally, uh, totally agree. Like that's my favorite way to, I can read about something. I can watch a video. I actually prefer reading than watching a video, but, but doing the thing is how I'm going to, I'm going to remember it. Exactly. And, um, doing the thing is how you're going to remember it. Also, I like, I get often frustrated with, uh, just how reductive sometimes people writing about a topic can be. Like, I think that if you take almost anything and kind of like filter it through this like hyper-rational academic lens, it's like almost certainly going to come out 
less than whatever it was to start with. Like, um, I'm not knocking science or academia, but we do have a bias in that. I mean, everything has a bias. Every perspective has a bias. But um, I think, like, one, one of the things that I have been thinking about a lot is that we're sort of at a unique moment in time. It is only, like, within the last couple hundred years that people haven't sort of taken for granted that um, trees and plants and um, our ancestors are, are constantly speaking to us, you know? Um, yeah. And and that that is just, it's a recent unusual perspective for humans to have. Are you saying that recently we've kind of cut ourselves off? Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And yeah. in the past, we were much more in in tune with nature, with the past, with the the continuation of the story of humanity, even if it's just to our own families. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so yeah, that continuity I think is incredibly healing, even when. Uh, even when it means contending with difficult things that happened in the past, there's so much value to that. Like, I really do think that our ancestors even, and especially want to help us to um, kind of learn from the things that they (laughs) experienced maybe even as um, problems, you know? Mm, Yeah. As you think of, so, so you're, you're, you're in the hypnosis and coaching industry. Yes. What is it that you wish people would stop doing in this industry? Stop or start? Like, um, I like that question a lot. Um, I, I would like, and some people do this, but I would like to see more people take an ecological perspective. Is what I'm doing actually contributing to, like, everyone uh, doing better, or is this really just kind of like a self-serving impulse? (laughs) And, um, and that goes towards, you know, how we offer hypnosis, how we offer coaching, how we, uh, how we sell things, how we run classes, relate to each other, all of that. Like, um, I, I know I've had many examples of like learn by example of what I would not like, <laughs> like what my first teacher that I, I learned from, he, um, he kind of like took advantage of the stage trance. I mean, I call it stage trance. He wasn't on a stage, but you know, just kind of like the teacher pulpit to like talk sure. about inappropriate things in front of people and kind of like get off on the power trip of it. And when I complained about that, he kicked me out. And so I officially, that's like my hypnosis background is that I was kicked out of the first class I took. Um, <laughs> but I still am here, right? Um, Perseverance. Yeah. Well, um, and not, I, I don't want to make that out to be that that was like kind of like the main thing that's happening in our industry. But I think that it does happen a lot that people just, they they have a hammer and they like now they just want to hit everything with it or like i mean new hypnotists can be like that and then like maybe some of the some other people that are not new sometimes can just blatantly use it in self-serving ways 
And I think that that is just missing the point. I guess maybe a concise, succinct way to put what I'm just saying is like, I would like to see people um, feel responsible towards a higher perspective or a higher good. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And how do you do that in your own practice? Well, I just acknowledge it. Like I, um, I kind of, I, I begin and end with that, that I am here to be of service. I am not here like for my own Mm. selfish ends. I'm here to help my client connect with what's best for them. And I trust that they and, you know, whoever's helping them know a lot more about what that looks like for them than I do. I'm just here to help them to tune into that perspective. Mm. I I like that frame of I'm here in service. Yeah. What do you think is most misunderstood about coaching or hypnosis or even psychedelics? Yeah, I mean, like all of that stuff, all of the all the stuff that we talked about today, like it's all like kind of like maybe not coaching so much, but all of it is like borderline taboo and people have a lot of mm-hmm. uh, fears about it. And I think that like some of those fears are not unfounded. I think that all of those modalities put us into a vulnerable space. Mm. And I think that, um, I think that, okay, so here's, here's something that I think that people misunderstand. I think that people have this fantasy that they could change without getting vulnerable. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, actually like engaging with their process that like maybe someone could just wave a wand and they'll be on the other side of the bridge and they don't have to feel it. And that, in my experience, is mostly not the case. Um, And it doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be scary. You don't have to put yourself out there in in a space where, you know, if you fall off the bridge, you'll never recover. That's like not what we want anyone to like extend themselves that far. But you got to be open enough. It's kind of like, if you really want to meet a partner, you have to be open to it. And that's vulnerable. No one is ever going to make that totally safe for you. Um, and, uh, you know, feel, feel the fear and do it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Find someone you trust to shepherd you through that vulnerability. Um, but also no one can do that for you, but you. Yeah, for sure. As you think of the people in around you or your industry, who do you look up to? Like, who's a, a mentor or a role model for you now? Ah, all right. So right now, I am currently coaching uh, with Paul Gordon. He's uh, he's an artist and a dancer and a coach, and I uh, I'm getting so much out of it. He's just like kind of helping me to like uh, work out my branding and personal growth and i one thing that like i was just so impressed with is that my mind went deep into like some like big personal history healing and integration just from simply signing up like he hadn't had a session with me yet and uh-huh. like just like the movement of getting into that space with him just kind of like set me off and 
also the thing that was cool about that, well, first of all, like I do think that it's totally healthy for coaches and helpers and hypnotists to continue to do their own work. Like mm-hmm. that is how we can stay honest and, and do good work for our clients. Yeah. But like second of all, it really gave me a lot of like faith in the power of that healing container. Like just knowing that like if you are able to hold this space safely and with good boundaries, that that in itself is like a huge service. Like sometimes that is like just kind of like the biggest part of what someone can get out of a coaching container is that safe space to change. Yeah. that It's uh, it is one of those things that can make the difference if they and it's one of the things that can help you be vulnerable too is if you feel held right going yeah. back all the way back to what you were talking about in the beginning here just having that safe space so that people can get the healing that they that they need might even not be the healing that they want but the healing it might that not they be need. the healing that they want but it's the healing or that the they one need. or the healing yeah. they they initially think they need right yeah 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 so You've, you've kind of gone through multiple ways of making changes for people. Is there any, any practical uh, technique that you know that you can share that would help someone to activate one of these types of super states to, to make a change in their life? Oh, yeah. Um, so... Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with something a little woo because this is just something that I've been doing for myself and grooving on and digging. Yeah. Um, just make some time uh, to talk to talk to your ancestors or guardian angels or whatever you want to like, and w- whether you believe in it or not, um, it's a useful perspective to open to. Um, when you when you actually like start kind of like even just the act of opening up to it reaching out just saying hey hey are you here like you will begin to get feedback from life you will get insights intuitions you will get like almost uh immediately sometimes just like a different perspective you'll start seeing things from a different perspective that's something that we can we can play with, with NLP, we can like step into different perspectives or different parts of ourselves. Um, I do think that our ancestors are parts of ourselves. Like they're living through us, like their DNA is literally in us. And mm-hmm. so, you know, there are memories inside of us. And I think that uh, now there's like a study of epigenetics that shows that we have memories for at least seven generations inside our DNA. Wow. So, um, just being able to like uh, remember that. Also, the other thing that I like about this practice is that it uh, combats that kind of illness that we feel like we're doing everything by ourselves or that we're all alone or that maybe kind of like having a distorted perspective about the impact of our actions as we go through our life. Um, And when we open up to that perspective, I think that it kind of shifts a sense of responsibility And it can also help us to let ourselves off the hook for whatever it is that we're dealing with in some ways too. Like, Hey, this, this problem didn't actually start with me. Didn't start with me, but I can, um, from this moment on, I can be responsible for helping it heal. Yeah. And that 
that frame then of the past seven generations are kind of behind me. But to your point, the next seven, mm-hmm. they're right. They're right here. And you're yeah. it's up to you now what they receive. Yeah. I like that. Do, is there any risks people need to know of before they try this kind of process? Well, um, I think, you know, um, so I, I was talking to a friend uh, about this, that sometimes when you enter magical states of consciousness, whether it be through meditation or psychedelics or whatever, there's always a question of, is what I'm receiving coming from what I think it is? Or is it something that is just uh, that I'm making up? And am I seeing this because it is true or am I seeing it because I'm only seeing what I want to see? Mm-hmm. There's a, a line in the Tao Te Ching that says the unwanting soul sees what is real and the ever wanting soul only sees what it wants. Mm. And so there's this need to discern um, this from that. And I think that that is just a matter of practice. It's a matter of developing self-awareness and um, and also just kind of like questioning yourself about, you know, how attached are you to a certain answer or outcome and uh, and learning what it feels like to kind of be in a more balanced ego state. Does yeah. that, and it's like a way of putting it. Mm-hmm. It's, it makes me think of, you know, putting an intention out into the world and then being free of expectations around what actually is going to occur. Like it's, yeah. you can put that out there, but then. Yeah. And you can't control it. Cause I think the thing, that's also the thing, um, If we could just totally control everything, then um, that would not be, I don't think it would be satisfying to us because we would not actually be in relationship with life, right? (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) it, It goes back to that vulnerability thing. We have to like, we actually have to get vulnerable in order to meaningfully engage with life. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. As you think of uh, of the future, uh, what's giving you hope about using these different states of consciousness to to change your life or or someone's life? Um, you know, um, what I what I'm excited about uh, is helping people that formerly felt disempowered feel empowered to do like big meaningful things that they feel inspired to do. I have had like actually several clients now that I would consider part of marginalized groups run for office. One of them actually held office for like a decade. And, Uh um, and that is really inspiring to me because I think that the answer to uh, some of these systemic issues that we see in the world is not to check out, to not disengage, to show up and, and lend our voice and perspective to them and participate, you know? So um, I think that as we start using these super states that we can also kind of like be like call people in and help to be more integrated 
as a society so that it's not just a few people that get hurt or a few people that get to have power, but it's um, everyone that is impacted by the rules that we live under, like has a say in shaping how we create our future. A co-created reality. Yes. I love it. Marianne, if somebody wants to learn more about you or connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, that would be go to my site. It is MarianSpurgeon.com. Great. And I will make sure to put that in the show notes so that it's easy and simple for everyone. Awesome. And then uh, finally, what's what's the one thing that you want people to leave this show uh, remembering? Yeah, um, I just I want to to kind of leave it on the note that, you know, we are all connected and that we have so much support, than, so much more support than we'll ever realize. And, and yeah, that to just kind of embrace that, uh, embrace the journey of getting vulnerable in order to make a change. Love that. Vulnerability is a superpower. Yeah, vulnerability is a superpower. Well, thanks so much for, for being on the show today, Marianne. I really appreciate your time. I really appreciate you inviting me, Joshua, and I'm looking forward to seeing you at HypnoThoughts. Thank you for sticking around for the whole episode. I, I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That's the best way to expand this message and expand the reach of this show. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast through your favorite platform or through YouTube so that you can stay up to date with super states. Also, let me know what kind of topics or guests you'd like to cover in future episodes. Just leave me a comment below. Find me on most of the social media platforms at Joshua Ray, R-E-Y Peters. I will answer any comments that are put out there. I'll see you all next week. Now remember, you carry the seeds of change inside. Stay flexible, keep growing, and embrace your transformation. Music